I'm very interested to in seeing how humans adjust and humans adjust and like seeing where we can add value. Cause ultimately like making money, making a living is based off of creating value for other humans. So if AI can actually replace a portion of that, how can humans adjust and like shift to, to an area where, Hey, we can still like be valuable to each other. AI, a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems. Join me as I chat with the founders, builders, and innovators in the industry about the latest advancements in AI and how they're changing the way we live, work, and interact with technology. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Welcome to Zero Shot. My guest today is Jeffrey Lee, data scientist at Your Move, a company that provides your own personal Cyrano de Bergerac, which for you younger listeners just means they help you find the right words to serenade someone you're interested in. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me, Kevin. You've had uh, you've had quite the fast rise. You you graduated from USC in 2014. By the way, your Trojans should be very good this year. Uh, you've been a data scientist since 2017 for big companies like DoorDash and Spotify. You're currently a data scientist ma- data science manager at Spotify. And now you're working on an app to make dating easier. What what drew you to AI? So I think for me, I've um, been working in machine learning for the last five, six years, but not really look, working with LLMs. So I actually would say with generative AI, uh, what drew me to it was not necessarily the AI itself, but focusing on the, my own problems and then uh, focusing on my own problems in my life. And then once I saw that generative AI could solve that problem, that's kind of when I started really digging into uh, the space. It's obviously changing very rapidly and it's on everybody's mind right now. What, you know, what are, what are you most excited about as far as what this technology can do? So, I mean, I think the things, like my initial thought on this is that like it's, it's, it's growing at an exponential rate. And I would say as a human being, it's really hard for us to really comprehend what exponential growth can look like. We could see with, you know, COVID was a great example. So I think right now in my head, uh, I can't even visualize what exponential growth with AI can look like because it's just so unfathomable. But I think what really excites, excites me in the immediate future is actually really the, the gains in one productivity of my just everyday life. So things like, you know, making my workflow more effective, actually doing a lot of my job for me, such as like writing machine learning pipelines, uh, doing automated analysis. So, uh, so the things that excite me are probably the, the immediate problems that I can see it can solve. But I would say that right now my mind can't even comprehend where it can actually go years from now. Yeah, that's uh, join the club. That's, that's <laughs> we all kind of feel that way, don't we? Um, exactly. Yeah, you're you're working on podcasting with Spotify now, so mm-hmm. I have to ask how how can how can we make me into a famous podcaster? What do we gotta do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just gotta like get Spotify to buy you for sixty million dollars. Yeah, why why is that so hard, Jeffrey? Can you help me? Hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to Daniel. Like, and thank you. Thank you. I would I would I would appreciate I would appreciate that. <laughs> how how are uh, how are you using AI in your role with Spotify? So I would say, like in my current role, it's uh, not the core the core functionality of it is not necessarily like 
And, and AI is like a broad term. Sure. Uh, so sure. we definitely use machine learning. Uh, like, you know, there, there's overlap with that AI uh, definition. But I would say right now, uh, we use a lot of machine learning. So like we use a lot of ML models, making predictions, uh, predicting the future. I would say in terms of like generative AI with LLMs, I, we're not really fully using it. It's more so like I am using it to make my workflow more effective. So a lot of times when I need to, you know, write a function in Python or I need it, I need a comment out code. A lot of the, the busy work that I, you know, don't really want to do, mm-hmm. I can actually automate that with AI. So that's another, uh, yeah. So right now I'm really just using it every day to assist with my workflow. And, um, especially with IC work. Terms like machine learning, large language models, those are new to most people, certainly not you. When did you realize that AI was about to pop in a big way? So I would say hmm, I... I don't know if there's like a, there was like a specific moment in time where I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be a, a big thing. I think that it gradually grew on me over time as I saw the technology evolve. So, it, yeah, it wasn't like a one-time moment where I thought that this is going to be a big thing. Uh, I think in 2016, can't remember the year, but I, I read uh, Tim Urban's blog post on uh, AGI, and that was really kind of the first foray into the, the area where I kind of knew like I, well, at least I conceptually knew where, uh, knew the potential of where AI could go. But at the time, it was only conceptual. I didn't really have any like tangible uh, experience of how it could evolve. And then once I started getting into the field of machine learning, I actually realized, you know, this space is actually uh, not as hard as I expected. Hmm. So I, I definitely saw that a lot of the, a lot of the tools. And a lot of the programming languages were evolving to a point where building out a machine learning model, it sounds really complicated, but once you really kind of understand how to write the code for it, it's, it's really like for, for practitioners, a lot of ML models, it's really only like a few lines of code. It's not like a, you know, you're not writing like hundreds of thousands of lines of code. So it's actually, it was actually a lot easier than I expected. So, you know, over, over the next like three to five years, I was expecting it to uh, rapidly evolve as well. Okay, so you kind of you kind of saw it coming a little bit a little bit earlier than than most. A little bit. I wouldn't say I'm that smart though. So I would say like <laughs> I still. Uh, yeah, I I got a little bit lucky in in picking the right field as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like if I if I if I was that smart, I would have just founded OpenAI and then I would have been at the top of everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm not that smart. Well, you're smarter than me, so you got that going for you. Uh, think things are things are changing very fast for the knowledge workers out there, and a lot of our listeners are are in that field in 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 the engineer field. What what must engineers focus on to to keep up with where tech is heading, in your opinion? Yeah. So, uh, what one piece of content that I've I've read that stuck with me? It was it was. Um, written by an AI leader that I think that, I, f- I forgot his exact name. It was, it was like kind of one of those complicated names, but um, <laughs> maybe we can find it after the show so we can properly credit him. But sure. uh, one of the things he said, like he posted an email where he had uh, a student reach out to him saying, hey, like, what should I be learning right now with AI? And then he actually said that, hey, like, you know, 
you should just actually focus on solving problems within your life and then find the tools that best solve that problem. Mm. Because when you focus on the problem, then you will always kind of evolve with the tools because you will always try to find the best tool to solve that problem. So like kind of three to five years from now, I would say that, you know, there, there's going to be new tools that come up. And if we overly focus on say like generative AI, or if we overfocus on Python or a certain programming language, that's actually how, you know, you become more at risk of getting left in the dust. So I, I really think that it's important to focus on problems that we want to solve and clearly defining exactly what that problem is and then finding the right tools to solve them. So then like if we were to expand that to engineers, I would say that, you know, like I'm a manager right now, I can see the progression of different engineers and, and data scientists and seeing where they grow. Typically somebody who's a lot more junior, they're a lot more execution focused. So because they're a lot more execution focused, uh, execute uh, when you're just executing, it's typically where like me as a manager, I give the engineer hey, here's the problem, go solve it. But I actually think that aspect of it can be easily automated by AI. Like if you can actually mm -hmm. clearly write the problem that you want to solve to the LLM, the LLM can give you a reasonable solution. But the tricky part is, is actually how do you actually write that problem? So like a lot of problems in business, such as like, hey, my, my revenue is going down how do I solve this problem? That's like really vague. Like you can ask an LLM to do it. It'll give you some ideas, but it's very contextually based within your company and within your, the, the macroeconomic environment. Those problems are going to be harder for LLMs to solve. So my, my general recommendation is still to focus on solving the right problems and defining the right problems. And that's, that's an interesting point too. Like every, you know, when you're talking about a problem like that, like, like, revenues down, how to build revenue, how to get increase sales and stuff. It's, it's dependent on the company. So until we have, until we have language models for each individual company, it's going to be tougher to, mm -hmm. to replace people in that respect. Exactly. Yeah. And actually it would tie back to the question you asked earlier, like, Hey, how do I grow an audience to like be super successful? On Spotify, <laughs> right? That's like, that, that's like, you could ask an LLM to do it. Uh, I think people have run experiments saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to ask an LLM to like run my whole business. But you, you still kind of have to have some sense of like, you know, understanding of the business to kind of know whether the LLM's right or not. And, and it's such an open-ended problem that it can go in multiple directions. There's probably multiple right solutions. Mm -hmm. And there's no like, there's no like correct answer. I think the good thing with programming is, is that like it either works or it doesn't. But things like growing a podcast audience is like, you know, you'll, you'll try stuff and the feedback loops a lot longer. You don't know if it's actually working right now or you have to wait like a few weeks to see the results. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that it comes out with in those scenarios is, is pretty general stuff you could read on pretty much yeah. any blog or anything like that as far as tips on how to grow your business or your podcast or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I, th I still think that's still going to be harder um, until everything is on like the internet, literally like the internet of things. Uh, internet of things mm -hmm. and we're tracking literally every single data point it's going to be a little harder yeah before we start talking more about your move I, I i wanted to ask you about your 500 mile bike ride was it uh yeah la to san francisco was that it yeah yeah that's right how wh wh what possessed you to do that <laughs> it sounds really hard <laughs> <laughs> so um for me i get excited about like kind of crazy sounding challenges yeah. so if it's just the bike ride i'm not I'm not as excited, but if it's actually like something that sounds a little bit nuts, I, I get a lot more excited. Um, 
something that I've always wanted to do. And it was funny because I was living with my parents when I had this idea. And then they like, absolutely, we're not going to let me go, <laughs> especially when I moved at home. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this when I, when I move out of my house. So once I moved out, then I, I decided to do it. Uh, but actually, I would say it's, it's actually a lot easier than, uh, than it sounds. So like if you take 500, like I think with any goal that you have, it's like you have 500 miles sounds really crazy. But if you break it down, let's say that I was going to bike, say, nine to 10 days, uh, then, you know, that's probably about 40 to 50 miles a day. It still sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. But if you let's assume that I bike 10 miles per hour, 10 to 12 miles per hour, that's really only like four to five hours of biking per day. And if you're like awake 16 hours, you still have like eight to nine hours uh, left in your day. So you actually get a good amount of time to rest mm -hmm. and you actually get ample time to actually do it. I think if you really want to do this in like four days, that's like, that makes, that really ups the stakes and makes it a lot harder. But uh, I actually think most people can do it as long as they're like committed to it and mentally, you know, invest in uh, just making it successful. I feel like you're probably in front of a computer a decent amount. So it's doing, doing something like that. Does that help clear your head, get you away from, from the, from the computer? Yeah, yeah, it helps clear my head, get away from the computer, get outside. That's really nice. And you mentioned you're in Colorado, so I feel like that's uh, yeah. There, there's a lot more of that compared to here in New York. And uh, sure. I would say, I would say also it helps. Uh, I also like these kind of challenges because it builds resilience. Because it is, it is very, it can can be somewhat mentally grueling. So sure. it actually can train your your mental ability and, and mental strength as well. Yeah, good point. So let's talk about your move. It's uh, generically sort of a, a, a chat GPT for dating. Uh, you can have it craft an opening, craft a response, or or even a poem. What what mm -hmm. led you to build this product? Yeah. So um, Dimitri, who is who I've been partnering with building this, is actually the one who started it. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of uh, rewind actually five or six years. So. About five or six years ago, I built an AI that automated Tinder. So the idea was is that this AI, I called it an AI. It was really like a machine learning model that would predict whether I would like a dating profile or not. <laughs> so then if it predicted it correctly, then if, it, if the prediction was high enough, it would actually swipe right. And if it was low, it would swipe left. So you, yeah, it's actually, it's still, it's still out there. So if you want to check out the article, you can, you can check that out. But then I would say I built that five or six years ago. Uh, one of my old roommates at the like in San Francisco uh, was coworkers with Dimitri, and then he he mentioned that hey, like you guys are both building in this dating space. I think you guys should meet. And then uh, he introduced us to get uh, to each other, and then I think we had this shared uh, itch to like build tools that help improve our dating life, as we're like we were like two single guys in New York. Mm -hmm. So I would say. Um, yeah, then, then I, was, I was pretty excited about what he was doing. I would say I didn't think my project had any legs, mainly because it was based off of like, like Tinder can just shut down the project at any time. Sure. And maybe like being on this podcast, they hear it, then they're just going to shut it down. But it's, it's not, <laughs> do you want me to, do you want me to edit deal. it out? I can edit it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't even use Tinder anymore, so I, I don't even care. So that's, that's totally okay. Um, and that, but then I thought his, his project had a lot more legs, mainly because it, um, it was not dependent on like, like, like Hinge or Tinder can't ban this app because it's like separate from the, the actual app. 
And now also uh, generative AI was starting to kind of rise. And I thought it was also a good way to kind of start dipping my toes deeper into the space as well. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So then once once uh, I met Dimitri in New York, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm down to work with you on this. I think he had just started it and it was only like a, a few months old at the time. So, yeah, I was super excited to work on it. So one of the things on your website, I believe at the very top said something like, Dating is or, or dating conversations are exhausting or something like something about mm-hmm. it being exhausting, and I thought that was funny because it can mm-hmm. be certainly. Um, mm-hmm. w- was there, you know, what what was the you know you talked earlier about solving a specific problem? Tell me about what problem you guys are solving with your move. Yeah, so I think that for me initially, when I thought about these dating apps, I've always felt like using dating apps was very um, cumbersome uh and draining and also like used up a lot of my time so my my initial problem like jobs to be done to solve for myself was to say how can i like still go on a lot of dates while saving time for myself Mm. and like mental energy uh that was the problem i wanted to solve for myself with a lot of these dating app tools that i was building however actually after talking to a lot of users a lot of users actually are using it in different ways to solve problems so like I think there's, there's the other element of like, I actually don't really know how to talk to girls and I need somebody to help me like come up with what to say. Mm-hmm. That was less of my problem. My problem was more like, hey, I want to figure out how to save time. And there's, a, there's like another problem that somebody mentioned saying that, hey, like when I text girls or guys, I actually don't want to make this, it can, it can sure. go either way. Yeah. I definitely can be very emotionally invested in the message that I'm sending. And by being so emotionally invested, if I actually have somebody, an AI help me write the message, I am actually less emotionally invested and I'm not as like anxious about Mm. like, you know, whether she or he is going to respond to my text or not. So there's actually a few problems that we kind of glean from it. But my initial problem was time. Time. Yeah. Because I I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, it seems like there's two pretty pretty obvious use cases and one is time one is to help that and then the other one is is for the people that struggle to you know to to talk or to to find the right words or to not not struggle to talk that sounded weird but to struggle to find the right words mm-hmm. in certain situations and you know we all know dating is dating is anxious you know anxiety producing and and difficult yeah yeah absolutely and I, and I think there are scenarios for me where i'm like i actually don't really know what to say in this scenario or i have to like think about it for like 20 minutes or like, you know, it's like when you're writing an essay, you have some writer's block, so you don't really know exactly how to comfortably express express your emotions. Sure. So, yeah, I, I still, you know, experience that too. Your uh, your move was recently featured in a Washington Post article, uh, which is how I mm-hmm. heard about you guys. Congrats, by the way. That's that's mm-hmm. that's huge. I'd imagine usage has gone up quite a bit since then. How how has the response been? Yeah, the uh, response has been really good. I mean, I think uh, we've definitely gotten a lot more users. I think it puts some more pressure on us to make the product better and kind of, you know, build those features that users want to, to just make the app a better experience. But uh, yeah, overall, I think there's really good response. There's like a really, there's uh, a lot of excitement around the space of AI. I think, um, yeah, I would say, you know, yeah, we're, we're like having good problems to solve. We're like, hey, you have more users, you know, how do you kind of, set up the right infrastructure and make sure our, our app is, you know, uh, staying up and not, not crashing. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so describe how this works. I'm a, I'm a user, I'm on a dating app and, uh, I get a response from someone. 
or I'm starting to talk to someone and I just don't know what to say. What, what is, what is, what is my move on your move? Yeah. So, uh, the way we're kind of designing the flow right now is let's first, uh, once you get into your move, uh, you can, let's say you, you have no dating profile. So you can actually go through profile poet, which is like the profile creator. And what you, all you need to do is just answer a few questions about yourself. So we just have a questionnaire. And then with that questionnaire, you can basically, uh, it'll take your responses and then it'll help generate a profile description for your dating profile. Uh, you can use it for Hinge, Bumble, or Tinder. We have those three dating apps as the options. And you can regenerate it pretty much as many times as you need uh, just to find one that you like. Uh, a lot of users typically will copy the profile description and then they'll rewrite it a little bit in their own words. Sure. When I see it, I'm not, you know, it doesn't sound exactly like myself. And then uh, it's, once like you any, that, it's like any, it's like anything, right? ChatGPT is the same way. I mean, you, you, you write a, a blog yeah. post on there and you're not, you're probably going to have to tweak it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And then I would say uh, there, I would then take the profile created and then, and then you can actually go into the conversation starters and the reply generations. So let's say that you've already created your profile. You want to start some conversations. You can actually go to the opener generation. So we have two different functionalities where you can actually add a screenshot. So you can screenshot a dating profile and it'll create an opener for you. And then you can also tune it based off of like how intense you want it. So you can turn it to maximum intensity or like minimal. So maximum intensity is going to start to get a lot more cringier. Uh, a lot of them, I, a lot of times I don't actually use the max intensity, but it's like just funny and fun to like read. Uh, you could also add curiosity mode, which is going to be turning it into a question. So a lot of times when you're opening on a dating app, asking, asking a question is better because it'll promote, it's easier for the other person to respond to that. And then um, once you have that going, then you can actually just continue, continue to keep using it where, you know, you can go back and forth. Uh, once you're in a conversation, you can go back and forth. You can take a screenshot of your conversation and then we'll, we'll take the entire context and help generate a reply as well. Awesome. So I think I would assume the most common critique of an application like this is, is the, is the authenticity, mm -hmm. you know, is the, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, I can see that people who might be on this might be like, it might bother them if they feel that the person they're talking to is having AI write their responses. You know, what do you mm -hmm. say to people who, who voice concerns like that? Yeah. So I would say like the, I, I think before I even like address it, I, I think I want to actually acknowledge that concern because it's like, you know, there, there is this dystopian future that people have of, you know, we have AIs talking to, to, to each other and nobody's really forming a human connection. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I totally want to acknowledge that as something that's on people's minds when they see things like this. I think right now, based off of how, when, we, when we've talked to users and based off our own usage, uh, nobody, I, I can't say nobody, but many people are not exactly copying and pasting their responses. They're using it as kind of a starter, sure. and kind of like what you mentioned before, they're using it as a starter and then kind of rewriting it in their own words to best express themselves. Sure. So right now, I think the way we want to frame this is this is not going to replace your conversations. Our goal is to assist you. So I, I kind of think of it as like you have a wingman or a wing woman where, you know, you have, 
like a lot of times you're with your friends, you're actually going to send your screenshot to your friends and say, Hey, how do I reply to this message? Or like, what should I say? Or you're like showing it to your buddy at a bar. Like, Hey, how do I, yeah. what do I say? To you got a person? friend who's good with words yeah, and you're like, Hey, what should I do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I would say that's like kind of how we see it right now, where it's going to basically be more of like a wingman slash wing woman to help you with your conversations. So I think right now it's, not going to be in a place where you can, it's like fully automated, but our goal is really to like allow you to quickly filter through uh, that conversation on a dating app and get to an in-person meeting as soon as possible. And that way you can figure out whether you have a real connection or not, because when I've used dating apps before, it starts to get like kind of repetitive. Like Mm -hmm. I'll like go back and forth a few times and then like, you can just, you ask them out and then you meet them in person. So it's, it does start to get repetitive a few times. So that, that's kind of how we're framing it right now. That makes sense. Yeah. What's, uh, what's next for your move? Is there any, any other uh, applicate or any other uses on the horizon? Any, any adjustments, anything mm-hmm. that you got planned? So, yeah, we, we've been thinking a lot about, uh, there, there's a lot of directions we can, we can take this. There's like, um, you know, from a product perspective, we're thinking about how to how, how can we reduce friction. So if you use the the tool right now, you, you have to go to the website or you have to download the app. But ideally, like you have it in if we can integrate it into your keyboard, then you don't have to like hop between apps to actually sure. help you with your conversations. That's like one piece that we want to do. So reducing friction for the user. Uh, we also are thinking about how how can we like expand the product to help you on every aspect of your online dating life. So right now we've only tackled conversations and profile descriptions. We have not tackled image generation. So like, how can we actually touch up a lot of your photos to make it a lot better? And I think the AI tech is, is actually there now to be able to do that. So, so you can give me, I can have have a six pack. That's that's you can get, I can get a six pack, (laughs) right? Yeah. In theory, yeah, we could, <laughs> it, it, we could give you a six pack, but yeah, I don't know, like downstream when, when you're uh, meeting in person, how that, yeah, that could, fly, I, but, uh, I guess that could get yeah. dicey. Yeah. Just, you know, I put on weight in the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully, hopefully the other person buys it then. So, um, but I would say like, uh, yeah, we're, we're thinking about photos. We're also thinking about how do you close conversations as well? And then like thinking about good ways to like, uh, maybe like, Another idea is like, oh, we can generate date ideas for for you depending on the person's profile. You know, there's there's a lot of areas that we can expand to as well. But um, yeah, we're, we're we're trying to balance like, hey, how do we make our current features even better while still like uh, making everything better for the user? I, I I like to ask questions related to AI in general because you're in the you're actually in it and you're working in it there's a lot of talk about the dangers of AI in the news. Uh, we were, we're recording this on May 3rd. The latest news is that Jeffrey Hinton, uh, often referred to as the godfather of AI, left Google because of concerns about where it's heading, where AI is heading. Mm-hmm. As someone who works in AI yeah. every day, how, how concerned are you? Yeah, so I mean, like I would say, like my, so where I work in is a lot more in like, statistics, time series, forecasting, uh, kind of ML models versus like LLMs. So I would actually say that seeing a guy like Jeffrey Hinton uh, leave because he's concerned uh, is a little bit concerning to me, not mainly because I don't really know what he does, what he sees. And because he's like a godfather and pioneer with an AI, he is at the frontier and he is, 
I, I, I'm guessing that he's sitting at the frontier while everyone else is kind of way back. So we can only see what is has been launched to the mainstream, but he's kind of seeing the things that could be developed within the next two to five years. So it's one of those things where like, I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. but then I have to trust somebody who's an expert in this, in this field that if he is concerned that I, I, I should at least try to be aware of what's going on here. So, um, yeah, I would, that, that's kind of my opinion on seeing that news and yeah. You mentioned before the the, the kind of the, the personal usage for for AI as being something that you're excited about, but on a larger scale, is there any is there anything like that you're really excited about of what AI can do and have a big significant impact in our in in human life? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing that I, theme that I touched on is like basically like scaling what we're able to do. So I, I felt like back in, back in the days with like, say the internet, uh, like before the internet versus after the internet, uh, after the internet was launched, basically a lot of the things that you had to do like manually, you can like basically scale it uh, a lot more easily and it enabled a lot more access to, I think with the internet it was like information. So like you can write a blog post and it can get seen by hundreds of thousands of people without needing to go through a publisher. So you can really kind of scale a lot of the, the knowledge and your abilities uh, through access to everyone. So now it feels like, you know, we have the access with the internet. So now can we actually scale our abilities through like skills and skill development? So like a lot of the things that LLMs can do is like, hey, like maybe it can already write a lot of my blog posts for me. Can I actually scale the ability to do those things um, much more versus kind of like needing to do it manually. So I'm pretty excited about where I can see productivity and creation go uh, down in the future. I would say, I do think that I'm very interested to seeing how humans adjust and humans adjust and like seeing where we can add value. Cause ultimately like making money, making a living is based off of creating value for other humans. So if AI can actually replace a portion of that, how can humans, adjust and like shift to, to an area where, Hey, we can still like be valuable to each other. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say there for now. I like that. Final question. If you could travel back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what, what piece of wisdom or advice would you share based on your experiences and knowledge you've gained through your journey in AI entrepreneurship and data science? Hmm, that's a good question. So I want to go back in time and give, give myself some advice. Um, I think the main thing is that there's not that much I would change with how my life is lived because that's kind of made me who I am. But if anything, it like, I felt like going back in time, like the advice I would give <clears throat> is actually to explore more and try to do things that is that you feel aligned you feel that is aligned with your own voice. So I think everybody has their own voice inside of themselves, but it gets clouded out by like parents, society, like other people telling them what they should and shouldn't do. And actually even with AI, it's like, you know, the media is really like saying that, Hey, you need to get into AI. But I actually think it's important to actually like kind of remove that and actually listen to what your, your actual inner voice is saying. And then, and really to follow that and actually to explore a lot to actually give light to that inner voice because Ultimately, I think a lot of people uh, will get into AI because they think it's hot. 
but the people who will go the farthest are the people who are just like really into AI itself. But it doesn't even have to be AI. It could be like something else, like tennis or making coffee. If they're if, like if they're really into that, they're gonna just go way farther than anyone else there. So I would just yeah, that would probably be my advice to myself. And yeah. All right. Well, the website is yourmove.ai. Uh, you can jump on there and play around with it. Uh, you can also download the iOS app in the App Store. It's only iOS right now, correct? It's only iOS right now. Yep. Got it. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll link to the website in the show notes of the episode too, so people can uh, can find you guys. And if you're out there in the dating world, then Get, uh, get on this. It'll help. It'll help. Jeffrey, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, I'll, I'll look for that uh, $60 million contract from Spotify in my email. Sounds good. I'll, I'll follow up with the status. <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. It was really great talking with you. Good talking to you as well. And thanks to everyone out there watching and listening. Until next time, stay curious, stay creative.